is the Attitude Changes Everything podcast, where we change lives one attitude at a time. I am your host, Adessa Barker. Guys, if you listen to this podcast and you're hearing me right now, please share this podcast with a friend. Today, I have a special guest, Carrie Schwer. She is the CEO of Grey Tonic and the founder of Question the Drink. Question the Drink is a movement to support those that are questioning their relationship with alcohol. It means to become conscious of the reasons why you drink without judgment, shame, or guilt. It is also to know that you are ultimately in control. Carrie is a perpetual life learner, a seven-time career path conqueror, discovery coach, author, speaker, mom, and a very happy wife to a super cool guy named Rob. Carrie is also a former gray area drinker who used alcohol as a coping mechanism. Carrie is highly sought after and has been featured in MSN, CBS, and iHeartRadio to name a few. And now she is here with us. Carrie, thank you so much for being in the house with us. Welcome, and let's get this party started. Oh my goodness, Adessa, thank you. What an awesome treat to be here with you. Yeah, it's super cool. Carrie and I met maybe, I don't know, a year or two now. And we met um, because we were both a part of a coaching program and we are two crazy women trying to start businesses, fulfill our passions. And here we are doing the thing. So kudos to you, Carrie. Uh, thanks. Yeah, same to you. It's been a really awesome past year and a half since we've known each yeah, other for sure. Absolutely. So, Carrie, what is something that you do that other people might think absurd or weird? <laughs> you know, I, that's such a great question because I do have a secret love that a lot of people don't know about, and that is to drive fast. I love cars. Wow. And ever since I was 16 years old, my first car was a sports car. <laughs> I wow. had a 69 Mustang. And my my job before I went into business for myself was working for Porsche. And so every year when they have their track days at Virginia International Raceway, which is a really awesome track, uh, I've been the pace car driver for the afternoon session. And it's been so much fun. So I would probably say driving fast is probably the best thing that I have ever done in my life. And I continue to love it. And I don't think I'll ever be sick of it because it's so much fun. <laughs> so <laughs> if I see you pulled over on the highway, I will remember that. Okay. <laughs> I try not to drive too fast on the highway or on, on streets, but yes, if I have the option to go over the speed limit, of course, I will take that opportunity. Yeah. This reminds me of a story when I was learning how to drive and my dad was teaching me and he was like in the passenger seat and I was driving with my hands on the wheel very cautiously. He was like, drive the car. I'm like, I'm driving. He's like, you're going too slow. And he like took my leg. I'm like, pressed it down onto the gas. So I like started going really fast. And, you know, I have to admit that I, I love driving fast too, but like you try to follow the laws. Yes, I try <laughs> I'm a little bit of a rebel. So there's that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. If you had to pick a color that represents you when you're at your best, what color would that be and why? Oh my goodness. Another awesome question. 
I would probably say a mint green. And I think Mm. it's because minty green has a little bit of blue in it, right? And I think when we have that blue green sort of fresh uh, sea color, it's just such vibrancy. It represents energy and possibilities. Wow. That's so good. Yeah. And it's kind of like that tropical ocean-y kind of vibe too, you know, relaxation. Yes. Yes. It's actually also in my logo colors, (laughs) but I love the color. I think it's a really cool color. So yeah. Yeah. I mean, you have a really cool website. I love it. I love the colors. Thank you. Um, Yeah. So tell us, you said, well, I read out in your bio that you're a seven time career conqueror. Yeah. So (laughs) what is that? Oh my gosh. That just means I'm crazy and I've had seven different (laughs) careers. That's what that means. I get bored really easily. So no, I don't know. A lot of it maybe early on was boredom and just wanting to change. I went to 12 different schools growing up. I was, you know, by the time I got to ninth grade, my second ninth grade, it was my 12th school. And I think a lot of the change that I experienced early on in life sort of set me up for this never satisfied feeling, which Mm -hmm. is different now. (laughs) I will say that. Um, And that's part of my self-development journey is to find what was keeping me from reaching being completely satisfied. So just means I had seven different careers. That's what that means. That's so good. Like you said, it's like we're missing something and it feels like boredom, but it's, to me, it's sort of like not being connected to your purpose, to that higher calling. So you keep feeling that itch and you're looking for more. Yes, absolutely. That's exactly what it was. And so, you know, Question the Drink, when when I decided to start Great Tonic and Question the Drink came a little bit later, but the reason why I started that wasn't that I sought out to, to start anything. It mm-hmm. really sought me out. And I'm a firm believer. Um, I, I believe in God, and I believe that He presented this opportunity to me out of the need for others. And it it came, it evolved naturally and organically. It wasn't like one day I'm going to start my own business. It was never that. It was something that really happened organically. And a friend of mine said, "Carrie, you're helping so many people. Why don't you just start something on your own?" I wanted to start something at my church. It didn't work out. I left the church over it. Um, it. It got a little bit ugly on my end. And that's when she said, just start something on your own. You don't need to have the church help you do this. You can do it on your own. And so that's really how it got started. Um, and by the way, I'm back at that same church and and everything's fine. <laughs> wow. But, but yeah, it's it's quite interesting how that whole thing, you know, it started and what, what evolved out of it, which is just a beautiful, a beautiful thing. So. So you started to sort of explain why you started the question drink, the question, the drink movement. So yeah. why is that? Yeah. Well, after my own experience, you know, I, I really questioned my own relationship with alcohol, how I was using it, how I was showing up for my family, for myself at work, my career, my unhappiness, this deep um, unrest that I felt, which I've already, you know, just touched on uh, from when I was a child. And I was using alcohol as a way to cope with a lot of that unhappiness, not knowing that though. I thought that I was just, you know, like everyone else around me, just drinking because it's what you do. 
And I really was questioning my relationship. I had questions like, am I an alcoholic? How much is too much? You know, what am I doing this for? And I didn't have any other resources or outlets outlets available to me that I was aware of outside of the traditional route of going to AA or recovery or rehab. And uh, just for your listeners to know, I did go to AA for several months. I think it's an excellent program and it's really designed for people that are needing recovery. So for me, it was not a good fit but I didn't know what I was. I knew I was not an alcoholic. I didn't identify as being an alcoholic. I did question if I was, but after realizing that I wasn't physically addicted to alcohol and it didn't sit well with me and to say, I am anything, you know, is really in your, your truth for yourself. So you need to be careful with what you're saying. And for me, it just did not fit. I was not a fit. AA was not a fit for me, and that was okay, but I was still confused by what that all meant. So I heard the term gray area drinking on a podcast, and when I heard that term gray area drinking, it just clicked, and that's when Gray Tonic was born. That's when Question the Drink became a real thing because I was able to put a term to what I was experiencing, which was gray area drinking. So I really felt a calling to tell everyone what gray area drinking is, who, mm-hmm. who falls into that category in that bucket, and what an awesome opportunity it is for somebody to get honest with themselves and to question the drink, question why they're using alcohol, what is the core reason behind it. So that's been my mission to really focus on explaining what that means. It's not called quit the drink. It's called question the drink for a reason. It's about really questioning where you are and getting honest with yourself. Gosh, Carrie, that is so good. Thank you for sharing that because so many of us, we just sort of go along with this idea of drinking and we're not really understanding why we're doing it. As I think about my own life, I use alcohol in a really toxic way. I didn't realize it at the time, but you know, my dad had kicked my brother and I out and I hated myself, but I didn't realize it at the time and I didn't value myself. And so I use alcohol to drown out all the pain. I remember coming from parties and just sitting in my tub crying, but I was so drunk. Um, I just didn't know what to do. And so had I had a movement, perhaps I could have gotten to help. And so it's really great that you're doing this because so many people are using alcohol in a way that they need to question. It may not be, you know, they may not be abusing it or whatever it is, but they need to, like you say, have know why they're using it, be in control and not have the alcohol controlling you. Yeah, that's exactly it in a nutshell. And the thing of it is, Adessa, is I'm not against alcohol. I'm not on a crusade against alcohol. What I am on a crusade for is for people to be honest with themselves, but also to really impact the way society is viewing alcohol and the messaging that we've all been fed for thousands of years. Actually, it's not even just the last few decades. It's really been forever that, you know, we, we can, we confuse alcohol with that's the only way to celebrate. It's the way that we socialize It's accepted everywhere as we know, because it's legalized, right? It's, it's never not going to be legalized. They tried that. It failed. 
So we know that it's something that's legal. We know it's part of our society. We know it's part of, of our culture. And in other cultures, you know, it's a little bit more prevalent, like in Europe or, you know, other countries, but it's, it's prevalent everywhere. A lot of people drink. So it's, it's not just the acceptance piece but it's the expectance piece that I'm really trying to get across that we don't need to feel like we are expected to have a drink every time we're out for dinner or we're at a party or we're at a celebratory type event because it's nowhere is it written that we have to partake in drinking. And a lot of people, Adessa, are really, really focusing on clean living. They want to feel good about themselves. We need a competitive edge and drinking only brings us down. It is a, it's a depressant is what it is. And so when we drink it, we can't feel great about ourselves. We just can't. And like you've said, you used it to help you cope with unhappiness or stress. And that's what a lot of people do is they're using alcohol without even realizing why they're using it. So again, if you know, if you're having a drink because it's someone's wedding and it's not a big deal, well, then it's not a big deal. But if you're using alcohol as a way to escape or to numb or to forget or to uh, not feel a feeling, then it becomes something that I really encourage folks to take a look at. Why do they feel that way? And the big part of that is that we've never been taught how to feel our feelings. You know, we put a label on feelings are good or they're bad. Well, feelings are feelings. We were born to have feelings. God has created us to have feelings. We're supposed to feel sad and angry and all these emotions that we we have. Yeah. And instead of working through it and sitting with them, we want to escape them in the way that people are choosing to do that is through numbing. And numbing could mean alcohol. It could mean overeating. It could be uh, a sex addiction. It could be shopping too much. You know, It could be a number of things that we're doing of avoidance. And that's really the key. So this is bigger than just drinking. This is really about being honest with how you're feeling, how you're processing your emotions. Are you able to um, think uh, through things before acting upon that? And that's really the key of the work that I provide. Carrie, that is, I can't even tell you how good what you just said was. Like, that is so good right there. Like, when I was drinking, I was down. I was feeling really depressed. I was in a really dark place and I was medicated on alcohol, which is a depressant, which was taking me down a direction that I didn't need to go, but I thought it was helping me cope. But in oh, reality, yeah. it wasn't. Yes, that's it. And everyone thinks that. They think this is the only way that I can have courage to feel better about myself. Or if they go to a party, a lot of men in particular, so I work with men too. I have um, male and female clients. And my male clients have always said to me, it is the way that I feel like that I can be more relatable or that I'm able to speak up. Or if I'm nervous, it's a way for me to relax. And women feel that way too, of course. But this is very common. We, you know, liquid courage. The other thing that that alcohol could be looked upon is in our relationships. Sometimes I refer to alcohol as liquid glue. Sometimes it's the only thing that's keeping a relationship together or a friendship together. And I will tell you, since I've I quit drinking, which is over you know four years now, I have changed my friendships. 
So I am still friends with a lot of the friends that I was with when I was drinking heavily, but the relationships look different now. And that's not by accident. That's because the only thing that was keeping us together and holding us together was the alcohol. But once you remove the alcohol, there's not a whole lot of substance there. And that's that's the other thing, you know, is to really pay attention at your relationships and what they mean to you. And if they're edifying you and fulfilling you in the way that that is best for you in your life. Yeah, that's that's so true. Um, and like you're saying with these relationships, when you have alcohol as a mask, you're really not experiencing life, right? You're going through life in this sort of haze because you're not really present. The alcohol takes you somewhere else. And that's when, you know, you're, you, you know, for people who, you know, when you get sort of intoxicated with it, you know, now I'm not talking about if you have a glass of wine or something, I'm talking about when you know, you've overdone it. It's almost as if you're not even there. All of those precious moments, you, you miss those moments. I think you mentioned in one of your interviews that you were in New York city somewhere and you missed a whole, I think it was Lady Gaga or something. Can you talk yes. about that? <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> Yes. Oh, I have so many stories about my drinking days. Um, yeah. So that was in reference to, so Lady Gaga, of course, you know, who doesn't love Lady Gaga? She was with Tony Bennett. She did a tour. This was a couple of years ago. It was about four or five, I think it was five, five years ago. And she was doing this tour and I found out that she was going to be at Radio City Music Hall with Tony Bennett. And I love New York City. I grew up in Pennsylvania and uh, we used to go to New York all the time to the city. It's a great place to visit. So I thought, oh my gosh, what an opportunity to go see two great legends at Radio City Music Hall. We bought our tickets in January. They were very expensive. We planned six months for this trip, got this killer, you know, uh, hotel, went with, a, with, went with another couple, planned the whole thing. The whole trip was around this concert. Well, we started that day by touring New York City and we were you know, pretty much hopping in a bar here and there throughout the day. Long story short, I didn't really eat that much. I sure drank enough throughout the day. <laughs> hey, we were on vacation, you know, that was just doing what you're supposed to do. Yeah. So by the time we get to the concert, I realized that I hadn't eaten much during that day. We get to the concert and of course there was a bar. So I get another glass of wine. Well, at this point, oh, and I had some popcorn. That was like my dinner. <laughs> so popcorn and wine. And by this point, I guess my body had just had enough throughout the day. I mean, I was buzzing all day and now I'm just like, I'm worn out and I'm toast. The concert starts. I saw them come out and then it happened. I passed out on my husband's shoulder and I missed the whole damn concert. Oh my God. <laughs> the whole concert. I don't remember anything. Not a thing. Oh my gosh. Not I mean, thing. what a story. Thanks for sharing that. And that's just like what we're talking about here is how you have to make sure that you're questioning this relationship with alcohol and that you are the one in control and not the alcohol and that you're not just doing it because it's what ex is expected. I've gone to bars and restaurants so many times and now that I don't drink, I feel almost obligated and bad for being there or sitting there like the waitress or the bartender. They're like, are you guys getting drinks? And as we say, no, you could just feel the energy like, oh, gosh. What's yeah. wrong with you? Yep. That's society's messaging. And I'm really on, you want to talk about being on a crusade. That is what I'm on a crusade for right now is to really impact the way 
society, plus restaurants and how that they're viewing the non-drinker. But here's the bigger thing with that is that restaurants are really missing a golden opportunity and it is an extreme golden opportunity. And uh, that is something that Question the Drink, um, along with a a business that I just partnered with, that is that is a big part of our mission to change mm-hmm. the way that restaurants are viewing that and to offer them um, some examples on how they can increase revenue and go about changing their menu. So I'm really focused on that right now as well. And that's a, a big passion of mine. So hopefully that will change so you don't feel that way, Adessa, when you go out. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I would love that because I want to feel cool too. I just don't want to have those feelings after I've had alcohol. And so, yeah, having some non-alcoholic cool cocktails. Yeah, sign me up. Yes, yes, I agree. So Carrie, tell me, if you could go back to your early 20s, what would you tell your younger self? Oh my gosh, so many things. One is that the the possibilities are endless and to really believe in myself. Again, I didn't have a whole lot of self-confidence or love. I wish, <laughs> of course, you know, what is it? Uh, 20, what is it? That was the saying about hindsight is 2020. That's oh, it. Yeah. yeah. I wish I could go back and change things, but I can't. So I, but if I could, I would tell myself that there's so much possibility and to really believe that I am capable. I mean, I look at just what I've accomplished in the past 10 years of my life. And I'm like, if I've done this much in 10 years, what the heck could I do in the next 10? I mean, it's yeah. crazy. So I think if any, you know, if somebody's listening in their twenties, my kids are in their twenties, and I tell them all the time, "You have so much to offer yourself in this world." And what I feel like we've all been given this life to create something or be a blessing for someone, and we all have purpose. And we might not know what that is, but you do have one, whatever yeah. that means. That's so good. That's so good. So. What makes drinking such a social phenomenon? Oh, gosh. You know, the romance behind it, the expectations, the messaging that society has really dictated to us. Again, it's how we socialize, how we celebrate, how we do anything. You know, it's like it's glorified. And it cracks me up because it's not to, it's nothing to be uh, celebrated or glorified. There's nothing fabulous about drinking. It, the, the issue really is the meaning that we are attaching to alcohol because alcohol in itself, it's a binary thing. It just sits there, right? It's just, it's just an object. It doesn't mean anything. But as soon as we start placing some attachment to it, then it becomes something. And so that's what we've done. We've attached all these meanings to alcohol. We've given it so much, um, substance when it doesn't need to have any substance is just a liquid. That's it. Absolutely. And and in society, I know drinking is sort of like this coming of, of, of age. It's this thing that's so celebrated. And I think there was even a song years ago about drunk in love, right? And so it's this idea of you're dating someone and you're just like both getting wasted and you're just like in love. But it's like, how could you be in love if you're not even present? It's like you're unconscious, really. It's just crazy. Yes, <laughs> that's so true. That's yeah. so true. Um, and so like for me, I know recently I was visiting my sister and everyone's drinking and my sister doesn't really drink. Well, most of my family really 
they don't really drink. But I felt the need. I felt compelled because my sister's friend had a bottle of wine and she poured me a glass and she's like, oh, I already have a glass for you. And I'm like, oh, man, I, I don't want any. And I was I felt like five and a half and I couldn't say no. And so I took the glass and I had it and then I felt terrible after. And it's like you because we all want to be a part. And as as you said, society makes it this thing about socializing, celebrating, about being a part. And so here I was wanting to feel a part of the group. So I said, yes, although I didn't want to do it. And so how do you deal with that? Yeah. So a lot of that is connection. You, you hit it on the head. We want to feel accepted. We want to be connected to others. And we feel like that's the way and the opportunity that we can do that. So a lot of times, again, it comes back to the thinking that we're placing on the actual alcohol itself and what that means. Because by you saying yes, what you were really saying is no to yourself and saying yes to someone else in order for them to like you yeah. or to accept you. That's what really was happening in that moment. So if you were to go back to that moment, you could say, if you were having a conversation with yourself, okay, I really want to say no, because I really don't want the wine, but how would that make her feel? Well, now you're creating an open loop in your mind. You're creating a story that does not really exist. It exists for you because you're thinking about it in the moment, but then you have to ask yourself, is what I'm thinking right now about the situation, the honest truth, or is it just a story that I'm creating for myself or what is really happening here? Because then you could have said, well, if I say no to her, then I'm standing up for myself. And you know what? She may feel even more respect for me and she might accept me even more. The fact that, you know, I'm pretty strong with my convictions that I don't want to have something right now. And there's nothing wrong with that. So you can make the decision that you are in control. And if your decision is to not drink, then you have the choice to say that. And again, you know, for gray area drinkers, it's really about having a choice because it is a choice to drink. You can choose to have a glass of wine if you want to, right? But a lot of times if you choose not to have a drink, that's okay too. But when you come down to, you can't have something then that feels completely different than saying that I'm choosing not to versus I can't have it. So in that instance, you had a choice and you could have said no, but you said yes, because you were in that situation of not wanting to disappoint or maybe feel like you wouldn't be, whoops, sorry, you wouldn't be accepted or you wouldn't, um, you know, feel like you're part of, of that, that group that you were in at that time. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Just having the power to say no and understanding why I'm deciding not to, evaluating that. And so if I could go back, I would certainly make a better choice. Um, but talking about it is really helpful because oftentimes we just go through the motions. We're not thinking about what we're thinking about and why we're making certain decisions. And so just having this platform to talk about something like that is really helpful. Well, I'll say too with that, Adessa, you know, it, it's not really a big deal that you did have a glass. I mean, it's, it's so don't beat yourself up a, about it. The only thing, you know, I would say is that you, you said that you really didn't want to have a glass, but you said yes, because you felt like you were forced into it. So the problem was that, that you, that you had a glass of wine. The only problem was that you denied yourself of standing up for what you really wanted, which was not to have it. So that's right. the only thing, you know, it, it's not really a big deal. So it's just one of those things where you go, okay, 
So I did, not a big deal. I'm giving myself some grace about it. And then you move on because if, and this is a lot of this guilt and shame that comes over us and that's not healthy either. So. Yeah, that's true. Absolutely. And so as the holiday approaches and the pandemic raves, you know, rages on, how can people not fall into this temptation to indulge or overindulge in alcohol? Yeah. So a lot of it is about knowing ahead of time, if you know where you're going, for example, if you can prepare in your mind where it is that you're going and you have an idea, you can you can plan so much better when you know what to expect. So in other words, if you're going to, uh, you know, there's not a whole lot of parties right now, but let's just say you're going to your family's house for Thanksgiving and you know they're going to be pouring some alcohol and you've made the choice and the decision that you don't want to partake. Well, first of all, make the decision. If you make the decision, then that gives you power in itself. Then plan. Picture what it's going to look like. Visualize who's going to be there and what you could expect at that event or that you know house party. Bring your own. If you know that there's going to be some things there that you don't want to have, either bring something of your own choice. For me, I love cranberry and club soda with the lime. So oftentimes I'll bring my own drink. We also like, there's some really great non-alcoholic beers. There's one uh, here local, well, it's in Charlottesville, Virginia. It's a IPA that we both just love and there's no alcohol in it. So you can find some alternatives such as that. You could make your own mocktail and bring that with you. So bring, bring in your own drink is, is huge and just execute on your plan. So you prepare ahead of time, you have your plan, you execute on your plan. And when you get home, you can actually journal about what it felt like for you to go through the motions. And it, did you do well? Did you stick to your plan? If not, what happened? What was the thinking that was surrounding those moments at the time? Did somebody say something to you that caused you to feel a certain way? And looking at your thinking and your feeling will always lead you to what it was that you actually did, aka your choice or the decision that you made at the moment. So it's really just reflecting and being honest with yourself and not self, you know, not denying yourself either. If you want a glass of wine or if you want a drink, then have it. And if it's, but if it's something that you're deciding that you don't want to do, then, then those are some good options for you to follow through with what you've, what you've decided to do. Yep. And it's like you said, it's, it's ultimately to know that you are in control. Yes. Yeah. And so Carrie, what is one thing that people don't usually realize about you? Oh, I am such a rebel. I (laughs) will go against the grain any way that I can. If, if you're such a beautiful petite rebel though, (laughs) (laughs) I'm not that petite, but thank you. Uh, that is a huge compliment. Yeah. I, I don't like things structured. I'm not a structured person at all. And if you give me a process, I'll find every way to break the process because I don't like restriction. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Wow. That's great. That's really fun. Um, I didn't know that about you. And so (laughs) if you were stuck in an elevator for two minutes with someone you didn't know, and they said, Carrie, I need alcohol right now. Like you have no idea. This pandemic has been horrible. My life's a mess and I need alcohol. It helps me escape my miserable life. What would you say to that person? 
Oh gosh, if they said they want to escape their miserable life, I'd, I'd probably want to give them a hug. First of all, I understand. I would say I understand because it is really tough right now. And a lot of people are going to turn to alcohol to cope. And it's, again, it's understandable. We are in a different time in our life. Um, we've Nobody's ever been through this before. So I can completely relate to why they feel that way. I would also ask them if they'd be open to find other ways to help them through those moments where they feel like they need to cope. And there's many tools that I have that, that, you know, I use with my clients. One of them is the saber and the saber method is a quick and easy way for someone to move through those stressful moments. So saber is an acronym and it means stop. So when you say the word stop out loud, whenever you're in a power struggle or you're feeling overwhelmed or you're triggered or you have an urge or a desire, if you say the word stop out loud, you're literally cutting off those thoughts from just staying in your mind and spinning in this endless loop. It literally cuts off that thinking. It gives you a moment to pause. So in that moment of pause, the A in Saber is to acknowledge your thoughts. And it's without judgment. You're just acknowledging that you have these two incongruent thoughts going on, or you have this power struggle within your mind or this inner chatter. Mm-hmm. And just acknowledge them and know that they're probably not true. Whatever it is that you're you're thinking probably is not true. The B in Saber is breathe. And so doing a couple deep breaths, there's all kinds of breathing exercises that that I suggest, but even taking a couple deep controlled breaths will calm your central nervous system, our autonomic nervous system, and it will move somebody from what we refer to as a sympathetic state, which is this feeling of fight or flight, it's our natural response, into the parasympathetic state, which is one of rest and digest. So breathing really does a tremendous amount. Breathing in itself, if I was to give one piece of uh, helpful advice, it's to practice deliberate breaths and breathing throughout your day because that really is very helpful with stress. And the E in embrace, I'm sorry, the E in saber is embrace. And embrace is about giving yourself grace and self-love at the moment because once you stop the thought, you acknowledge the thinking, you breathe, you need to have some self-grace for yourself in that moment to realize that what you're doing is so important and so powerful. You're literally creating new ways to think. And then the R in Saber is to redirect. Redirect your thoughts, refocus on something else. And how to do that is through gratitude, connecting with something of gratitude and making a new empowering decision towards whatever that is that you want to move from. So if you only get through the first three, if you just stop, acknowledge, and breathe, and you don't make it to embrace and redirect, that's fine. That alone in itself will help. But there's so many ways to cope, and we don't always have to turn to negative behaviors to do so. Absolutely. Thank you for sharing that. So what have you learned so far with the question, the drink movement? Wow. There's a lot of people that are in the same boat and that feel the same way about the relationship with alcohol, and they're too scared to speak up. They did a study with some college students years ago in, in 2012, a neuroscientist conducted this, this study and they were trying to use all the negative propaganda to get college students to not drink, you know, putting like a beat up car saying this car wasn't, you know, uh, 
you know, the driver got a DUI. They were in a car accident from drunk driving and all this kind of stuff. It did not do what they wanted it to do. It did not help reduce drinking on college campuses. When they interviewed the students, they found out that a lot of the students didn't really want to drink every night of the week, nor did they want to binge drink on the weekends. But the reason why they did is because they felt the peer pressure to keep up with their friends. And when they had this study conducted, they realized that there was more people that really wanted, or college students, that really wanted to be more in a healthier posture for themselves, particularly with their schoolwork, and just felt compelled to keep up with the Joneses and the masses and with their friends. And guess what? 40 and (laughs) 50-year-olds, 30-year-olds and 40-year-olds and 50-year-olds feel that way too. We don't necessarily want to always be on this drinking binge. We're getting to a point, Adessa, in society and the people that I work with, especially the high-level leaders, that they know that they need that competitive edge. And alcohol is only a way from detracting them from reaching those goals. And it's important to them to have every possible resource available to them that's going to help them in every area of their life. And alcohol is one of those things that they are choosing to eliminate out of their life. So there's a lot more people than we think. Yeah, absolutely. And I love, you know, what you're saying is that we think that alcohol helps us. It makes us the life of the party, but really it's robbing us of being in the party, of really being present, of enjoying that. And it's not just something that's affecting college students, but it's something that affects adults, everyday adults in all walks of life, because alcohol is a social phenomenon. It's woven into the fabric of our society and everywhere you go, it's accepted. And if you stand up and say, Hey, you know what? Maybe I don't want to drink tonight then what's wrong with you? Can't you handle it? And so we feel all of this enormous pressure. So we cave, cave into it. Yes. It is so true. So true. Absolutely. Awesome. So Carrie, what is one thing that you would change right now? Oh gosh. I would change again. I think it goes back to society's messaging I just, you know, we don't have to have alcohol in order to have fun. We don't need to have it in our lives as as much as it is. And to really change the landscape of those who choose not to drink for it to be more inclusionary for them, that is the one thing that I would love to change. Yeah, love it. What are a couple of ways that people can evaluate their relationships with alcohol people who might be listening to this and they're like, you know what, I need to look at this. And so how can they do that? Oh, one of the easiest, quickest ways to do that, I don't want to say quickest, but one of the things that I did early on that I recommend for all of my clients, the very first phone call I have with them is to get out a piece of paper, draw a line down the center. One side, you're putting reasons why I want to drink and reasons why I don't want to drink and be honest, right? Like no one is ever going to see it, but you, because that's really what the case is. No one's going to see it, but you and be honest. When I did that, Odessa, my list went something like this. And and your listeners can agree, I'm sure. (laughs) So my list went something like this. My reasons to keep drinking. Because I love it. I love the way it tastes. I can have fun. I have fun with my friends. I go fun places with my friends. Everything that I wrote on that side had to do with fun. I equated fun. That was the only way I could have fun is if I was drinking. And that I liked the way it tasted. Right? 
So on the, on the side of why I should consider quitting drinking, the number one thing that I wrote down and I'll never forget it was it will save my life. And when I wrote that, I literally started crying. And then my second one was because I won't act like an idiot. Number three, I won't have to worry about saying something that I shouldn't have said. Because guess what? I've lost relationships over something that I said when I was intoxicated and just coughed it off. Well, I was drunk. I didn't mean it. You know, yeah. that you can only use that excuse, but so many times uh, that I would feel, uh, have more energy, that I wouldn't worry about a DUI, that I wouldn't uh, miss any time from work, that I wouldn't risk losing my husband or my family, you know, and the list went on and on. I'd save money. I'd have better skin. I'm, <laughs> you know, I just would feel better all overall. So there's so many reasons. And when I looked at the quality of my answer side by side, I mean, it was kind of like a no brainer at that point. So that's yeah. the first good step. The other thing is to really ask questions, ask yourself questions. That's why it's called question the drink. Literally ask yourself, if I have this, if I have this drink, why am I having it? What is my purpose for wanting it? What, how will I feel tomorrow? If I have one, would I be able to stop at one or would I most likely have two or three? What would that look like if I did have two or three? How would that impact me later tonight or tomorrow morning? Or how would I show up for my family or my child or my work? How would I feel tomorrow and missing the gym? Would I be happy with myself? I mean, just walk yourself through the drink. It's called think through the drink. I have a PDF for that. Think all the way through the the drink. Like what would happen if you actually did have a drink? How would you show up? So just easy tools that, that someone can start with. Yeah, those are really simple and definitely helpful. And so as the CEO of Great Tonic and the founder of the Question to Drink movement, how do you keep your positive attitude? <laughs> it's a I laugh because <laughs> it's not easy, right? It's a choice every day. Like I woke up late this morning. I slept in by accident. And I remember opening up my eyes this morning. I was like, oh shoot, like I missed, I missed getting up at my normal time. So I felt like I missed out. And then I was like, you know what, Carrie? Every day is a choice. Every day you have the opportunity and choice to, to be happy, to be grateful, to make the best out of the day. And instead of looking at it as if I missed out on something or I didn't get to do something that I should have done at 5.30 (laughs) versus getting up at seven, I looked at it like, you know what? My body must've needed that rest. And I'm so grateful that I was able to do that and it was okay. So it's a choice. My answer is it's a choice that I make every day is to be positive and to just live the best I can every single day. Were you always this positive? No. (laughs) (laughs) just the polar opposite. Yes. It's taken me a while to really have, you know, a lot of self-development under my belt and diving in deep into what it means to live authentically and to live with purpose and to be appreciative. And I think having gratitude has been the biggest opportunity for me to get to where I am. And also I'll, I'll say this is being in the moment. You know, I forget, like I was always in a hurry. I mean, I just, I wanted to graduate high school and then I wanted to graduate college and then I just wanted to get married. Then I just wanted to have kids. Then I just want to, you know, most of my working life, I just want to retire. So one day then I could be happy. Right. I was missing out on the beautiful experience of this journey that we call life. 
And yeah. now it's like every day I'm like, oh my gosh, like right now I'm looking out the window. It's a beautiful day, beautiful fall day. Leaves are on the ground, they're falling. It's just gorgeous out. I mean, what a great day to be alive. So I think it's it's really focusing on the now. Yeah, that's so good. Focusing on the now, being grateful for what you have and waking up every day, choosing to be happy, choosing to be positive, not waiting for it to like fall on you. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah. And as we wrap up, is there anything or one thing that you wish to leave us with? Just keep questioning everything that you do. And if it's something with your relationship with alcohol, there's no judgment. There's no judgment from anyone or anything, whether you want to do something or not do something. My strong suggestion is to question why and not be afraid of what you might find and welcome it. What a blessing. What an opportunity for you to get honest with what it is that you want and where you're going. Nobody wrote a playbook what we're supposed to do, right? So No, we- they didn't. And if they did, I don't know. Yeah. Well, there is a playbook written, but yeah. but you know, for for us mortal humans, <laughs> you know, we we learn by we just learn from making mistakes. So no judgment for yourself. Just keep questioning, and especially if it's with alcohol, question the drink, and know that it's okay. You're okay. Yeah. Well, Carrie, thank you so much for spending one of your days here with us, and I certainly appreciate it. Well, thanks for having me, Adessa. I appreciate it. Yeah, of course. So see you soon. Thank you so much for listening to this podcast. I implore you to share this with a friend. It means a lot to us. We do this because we believe that we can all become better by changing our attitudes. If you find value in this, chances are other people will too. Would you share it with a friend? Thank you.